Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for episode 113. I believe that's our uh, magic number today. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... Mogiv. M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> You know what has been so funny is watching the Twitter dialogue back and forth between you. Um, who was it? It was like Steve Erickson and MoGiv about like signing up for MoGiv based on the requirement that you had to sing the song. Yeah, uh, apparently now uh, it's part of the sales package that in in order for a guy to sign up, I have to sing it. Like they have to, I have to call the guy on the phone and sing it to him because. Steve Erickson, um, scumbag. Uh, hey, hey, he's in jump school. You can't say he's a scumbag. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maggot. Because, <laughs> um, you know, jump school. That, that, that he we do call maggot, him maggots right? in jump school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maggot. Um, so he he actually told Kent Whittier, the only way I'll sign up is if Peyton Jones calls me personally and sings to me. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. I'm going to call him for, for, for something like that. Come I think on. we should either get a commission or we got to raise our rates. I mean, we didn't work in any kind of like phone calls to potential clients, you know. Did, did you know that New Breed Church Planning gets a kickback for every guy that signs up? Um, did you know that that means I'm going to stop advertising for them? What? I'm not New Breed. I'm Pete Mitchell. What the heck? It's actually for every New Breed guy that signs up. So That's funny. So l- yeah. let me get on to our actual uh, paid advertisement. Peyton, have yes, you been waiting Pete. to get your church started with online giving? 
No. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I tricked you, and yes, I have, and this is such a coincidence, Pete. Hey, Why no? Tell me all about it. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder there at Refuge Long Beach? I'm ashamed, Pete, to say that I have, and I feel dirty. Well, stop it. A better solution is here. MoGive, spelled M-O-G-I-V, is an <laughs> online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches and even shrinking ones. <laughs> As we learned you last week. say. I happen to be in that category. <laughs> well, Peyton, here's what you need to do. You go to mogive.com forward slash church to learn more. That's M-O-G-I-V dot com. Dude, I seriously think you and me need to write the commercial. I really do. And then we're like, you know what I need? Mo money. <laughs> I need the people then, in my church to give Mo. Yeah, exactly. And and then the Mo Give Genie pops up and he's like, I'm the Mo Give Genie. I show you how to get people to give Mo. <laughs> I swear to you. I kind of like that, man. I do. I kind of like that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, um, here's a little uh, little something from our, our good friend. The um, should have been Hulk Hogan, but it's his uh, long lost brother. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you going to do when the Church Planner podcast runs wild on you? You know, here's kind of the thing. Today is an odd day for us to be doing our recording. As we've said before, we usually record on Friday. And here we are on, um, what is today, Wednesday? Oh, my gosh, Wednesday. Yeah. It's Wednesday because uh, tomorrow I'm having a baby. Yeah, you can't even think. Dude, you don't even know if you're coming or going or what day it is, man. You're all jacked up. And I've been keeping that you know, in the back of my mind. And I, dealing I'm not. With you he, he, here's my problem, Peyton. And this is the honest truth. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time I'm sitting there going, okay, great. All right. So I got to like be there at the hospital and, uh, you know, we got a plan C-section, right? So that's why we know the baby's coming tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, so I got to be there. Um, and then when can I start working again? Like that's the thought running through my head. <laughs> it's like, okay, like since the baby pretty much doesn't do anything at this stage, it just sleeps. <laughs> how long before I go, okay, hon, I got to go home now. You know, because it's not real to me. I told you this last time. Everyone talks about how the first time they see their baby, they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's wonderful. And I think I'm broken, right? Because when we had Luke, I, that wasn't the first thought that went through my head. In fact, I, I was like, it wasn't until three months in, when he was about three months old, that I started to to dig on it because then he recognized me. And quite frankly, I started to feel appreciated for all the hard work I was doing when he would smile for me then. But before then, he didn't know who I was. No. And, I mean, you know, as far as you're concerned, might as well just be a rubber baby for those first three months. I'm telling you. And I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad human being that way because, I mean, really? That's just, Luke, that's Luke just one of the many ways that you're a bad human being. But uh, Luke that's, started that's to be fun at three months when he would recognize me. But really, it wasn't until he said, Daddy, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, that I was like, okay, dude is my kid. I know he's my kid. And I finally think this might be like a good move in my life. That's well, you know that Darth, 
Darth Vader actually means dark father, right? And so you're just, you're reliving the Star Wars legacy again, because it's kind of like, you know, Anakin with Luke, it's kind of like either you turn or I kill you. And that's kind of, that's your parenting <laughs> kind of philosophy. And he has turned, thankfully he has embraced the, uh, the lightsaber, embraced all things Star Wars and he will live. You know, together you rule the galaxy. Here's the thing: for his uh, his third birthday, which just happened almost six months ago, so he's about three and a half, almost three and a half. We got him like his room is decked out in cars from Disneyland, right? So he's got the McQueen bed, Lightning McQueen bed. If you know what that movie is, he's got like just crap all over the walls with cars. You know. It, Cars is all right. I mean, I've seen it about 250 times. It's okay. But recently, I saw um, Fathead makes, like, the giant Death Star to stick on the wall and, like, a full-size mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker to put on the wall. And I'm, like, looking at Jamie, and I go, okay, look, I know we just got him the McQueen bed, but I'm thinking there's got to be a Death Star bed out there or maybe, like, his speeder in the original Star Wars as a bed. And we got to get rid of all the car stuff and start putting them Star Wars. Pete, you're thinking about this all wrong, man. You have an office. You need the giant <laughs> Death Star on your office wall. And what we got to do is we got to find a chair, like the Emperor's chair for you, where like you can push buttons on it and you can turn oh, around and, and talk nice. about destroying people's friends. I kind of like saying. that. I, you know, see. Uh, right amount of respect and disrespect. That's us right there. <laughs> I, I don't know why I never thought of that before. So you know how we had the uh, the contest um, actually two months ago now, which, by the way, if you haven't received your autographed copy of Church Zero, Church Zero, it's 100% Peyton's fault. He sent me a yeah. box of Church Zero. None of them were autographed, so I have to have them I signed him it. yesterday and sent him back on the train with my intern. Which on I'm not going to be there on Sunday. I don't know how he's going to get it to me. I'm having a baby, and apparently I can't just go home and go back to work. Hey, let me tell you something. The reason you have an intern is so he can fail you, and you can blame him for everything that goes wrong. <laughs> and if you're if you're uh, Travis, who's like, hey, uh, I won 30 books. It's been a, a month and a half. Where are my books? Um, they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've got I a bunch of them got... here at the house, but I, we're waiting I on the rest of them. Those last week, man. These publishers are slow sometimes, so... Mental note to self, next time get get all the books in advance. That was a lot of books, though. It was. It was. I think we ought to have a contest on the podcast, Pete. Um, name, because, you know, obviously you're not named. Jamie let you This name is where time. I was going with bringing it up. See? Simpatico. Uh, Simpatico. Right there. <laughs> Go for it. Spill it. This is exactly what I'm, I was bringing up. I'm saying we need to have another contest. And it's, it's you know, because the first baby, Jamie's like, I want you to like the baby and not think it's a rubber baby. So if I let you name it a Star Wars name, you might pick it up and squeeze it sometimes. <laughs> so Pete named it Luke. So, okay. So here's and Charlie, our Charlie thought I was a really holy person and was naming him after Luke in the Bible. I'm like, uh, wrong Luke, buddy. This is from a hey, galaxy I'm, far, far away. Yeah, but you know, the apostles were Jedi. So it, there's a connection there. But here's the thing we're going to have was a name the, he had his name sword Pete with Mitchell's him. baby contest. That's the right. name Pete Mitchell's baby contest, right there. You know, so here here are the options I'm thinking, all right? So supposedly this one's a girl. Now, I'm still hoping they're wrong and it ends up being another boy because, quite frankly, 
I don't know how to deal with girls and I'm like very uncomfortable with having one of my own. So, yes, but they're, they're claiming it's a girl. So I kind of got to go with that. So here, here are the options. Um, of course there's uh Leia Organa Mitchell. That's, that's uh, option number mm-hmm. one that I'm, I'm playing like for. that one. Um, there is, uh, uh, Takahashi Yamaha Mitchell, because it's going to be a, um, Chinese, uh, Japanese baby. Asian descent is all we, we know baby. for sure. What's that? I thought it was Chinese baby. Well, it's Asian descent. I assumed in the dream that it was Chinese, but that could have just been racist Pete, not knowing the difference between, you know, the different, uh, ethnicities of, uh, yes. of, of not racist, my friend, just ignorant, <laughs> just just white people racism, you know? All Asians, I don't know. Japanese, yeah. Chinese, Korean. That's right. Oh, that reminds me. I was watching last year the news. They had this, uh, the Korean gal was, or, or she was ended up being Korean, right? No one knew, right? Because she's Asian. And she's talking about the Chinese New Year. And the white anchor, he goes, Gung Hoi Fat Choi. That means uh, Happy New Year, right? She and like this is after she's done with her piece, and she just goes, "I don't know, I'm Korean." <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Dude, it was I know so like inappropriate. Oh, we've done this before. We've done this before with uh, the Vietnamese that I know, which is, um, "Honey, do you love me? Get away from me, cow!" And I'm going to shoot you with a gun. You know those mm-hmm. in Vietnamese, huh? You know those in Vietnamese? Yeah. What are they? Uh, I'm going to shoot you, and I know I'm butchering it. So all the Vietnamese listening are saying, oh, you totally butchered our language. But game is uh, I'm going to shoot you. With I game. think you're making that up. I swear to you I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, okay, you ready? Honey, do you love me? And you're not on. And uh, let's see, what is, uh, oh, get awake out is, did he mouth ba You have to do the kind of like double consonant sound at the end. Did he mouth ba that, you, dude, you're a natural. Dude. God. So, like, if you, you know, if, if like, I'm thinking particularly of Mike Neal's in Canada, um, these Vietnamese phrases might really come in handy. <laughs> dude, I don't even know what to say to that. I'm, I'm at a loss. All I well, remember you is... Know, you know what's funny? The only Spanish earlier. The only Spanish line I know, we talked about on the podcast, which is, Mi dorgon es muy rapido, which Hector Mora had to correct me and was like... Mi dragon es rapido muy. You got to put the muy after. Ooh. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm telling you the way I learned it, which is mi dragon es muy rapido. My dragon oh, is very fast. Rapido sounds better at the end than uh, rapida muy. Um, rapida, like wouldn't that Polynesian. be the female? That, I think that's the female, and I'm not a female, so I, I'm the male, right? Isn't that the, yeah. I don't know. Well, you're hoping to have... I only know one line male. in Spanish. Come on. That's it. That's all I got. You're hoping to have an Asian male baby, and we all know that you are going to have an Aryan white female baby. An Aryan? Well, that just sounds racist. It does, doesn't it? But oh it my just means totally white people. Does. It I just, know. It just means white. I know. I don't know, dude. This This whole baby thing... You know, here's the thing, it, on, on a serious tip, they make it so easy to abort your kid. Like, when you're over, I think it's over 30 or over 35 in the state of California, it's by law required that the insurance company has to cover the test where you, um, you know, like, uh, test your baby to see if it's got any birth defects, Down syndrome, anything like that. And there's only one reason to do that. 
it's so it makes it that much easier for you to go, you know what? Mm, I don't think this is the baby I want. And like cut out. And I mean, I so we didn't do it, man. We're just like, no, look, if if we got an issue with our baby, you know, we'll find out about that in nine months and you know, deal with that at that time. Cause I don't know, I mean, who wants to like deal with that for nine months knowing that this is what you got to deal with for the rest of your life? I mean, if that's what you gotta deal with, it's that's what you gotta deal with. But I'd rather just find out later. So tomorrow we find out everything, man. So there's always that like. Oh, so you guys waived the, you know, we don't want to know if there's any issues. Yeah, we don't want to know if there's any birth defects or anything like that. Because, huh. I mean, I just, I don't. Neither don't one of us. worry about it. Yeah, neither one of us. We're like, yeah. look, if it happens, it happens. I don't want to, like, deal with that for nine months. And then, you know, still got the rest of my life to deal with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. When we adopted our our girl, she was in the NICU, and she um, she had had collapsed lungs. She was born three months early, um, one pound birth weight, um, brain bleed, possible spina bifida, fifty percent chance she'd be blind. Um, you know, uh, cerebral palsy was was very likely, and for us, man, it's been nineteen months since we. Uh, well, since she was born and, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been crazy, you know? Um, uh, actually, no, it's been, yeah, it's been more than that. 19 months since, uh, her, uh, anyways, it's all, it's all complicated cause you got to redo the math it involves math. I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, she basically, it's the same thing where we're constantly unpacking, you know, new problems, old problems, problems that, Okay, that's not a problem anymore. She's gotten through that. She's not going to be blind, you know. Um, she doesn't have spina bifida, and and you know it, it, we're going through that all the time, man. We've been in a nonstop state of yeah. that. But see, you guys days. chose that, like, because you knew going into it, hey, if you take this kid, you're going to have issues. Yeah, and you know the the weird thing was is that going into that, we were kind of like. I guess in a way, like it makes like if we talk about it, people are like, oh, you guys are so wonderful. Well, no, we're not. Like, <laughs> like me, for me, period. I was like, I don't want, you know, I'm an RN, I'm a psych nurse. Like, I had things I was not willing to take on the medical report. Like, they show you these babies and they go, do you want this? Do you want that? And with this baby, we just knew. It's weird because there were things mm -hmm. on the list where I was like, I will not. It will. It will change my life. Life as I know it will stop. Ministry as I know it will stop. Everything will change. And and I am so glad that the Holy Spirit overrode my own thoughts and just said to me, this is your baby. Like, this is it. And we just knew that. It's, it's as much as you know that this is a woman you're going to marry. It's as much as you know I need to plant a church here or I'm called to ministry. It was that strong of a feeling for us. And we just, we went for it. And so... Mm -hmm. I guess when God's kind of, hey, we're not talking smack anymore. We're talking like serious stuff. I'm getting scared. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's still Man, not on topic. topic is. It's not on topic though. So you know, we but, we can still yeah, talk. So it still qualifies. But but when God's in it, then and that's kind of what you guys are doing. You're just walking forward in faith. Almost, it's like you're trusting God that God, you know. And boom, and you'll walk into it tomorrow. Well, I mean, and if it is, what are you going to do? Like, because we're not going to kill our kid, right? I mean. Like that's the line in the sand for us. We're we're not gonna abort our kid. That's just no, not the not. path we're going down. No. So it it kind of like 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. I say to Jamie all the time, and she really hates it. I'm like, you're the one who wanted another kid. Like, yeah. I probably said it to her three times today because today we had to go to the hospital to do the whole pre-op appointment and all that stuff. And Yeah, that comes out sometimes when there's chores around the baby that have to be done every once in a while. But, but for, for the most part, that goes into the things we think and do not say box. <laughs> yeah, except I say them. So I, yes, I you told do. you, I've got this cigar sitting here on my desk that I'm like looking forward to. So tomorrow night. Because we've got a son, right? So I, I can't stay at the hospital with her. You know, poor me. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, how long do I have to stay here? When, when do I get to go home? And, um, you know, I saw so Things I gotta... we think and do not say, Pete, especially on the podcast. <laughs> it goes in that box. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't listen. She'll never hear this. And, she, you know, deep down inside, she knows I'm thinking it. She knows I'm thinking it. She knows me that well, right? <laughs> so I'm going to come home. I'm going to put Luke to bed. And then it's supposed to rain tomorrow, which is like perfect tomorrow night so i'm gonna go out i've already put a chair underneath the gazebo i'm all set up i'm ready to have this stogie and be like yeah all right i'm looking forward to that i think more than i'm looking forward to the uh to the birth tomorrow i don't i don't know if i'm supposed to feel that way i'm just i'm just throwing it out there undoubtedly for men like yourself pete that's how the tradition started well at least i get to have a cigar on the day (laughs) (laughs) well i haven't had one in three and a half years i mean I'm like, you know, most most forward. people listening are thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Is it, see, here's the thing: like for me, we couldn't have kids, so I'll take your baby if you don't want it. <laughs> so I'm like the opposite of you. I will take your baby. Just give it to tell Jamie. Look, hey, we can we can make one anytime. Just let's give it to Peyton. We can't after tomorrow. I'm just saying, especially if it's an Asian baby, then I really want it. I'm not, you know, I'm not into white babies. <laughs> That is I don't true. Have any. They're, they're kind of boring. Uh, you know, it's funny because they're my, just too uh, vanilla and they don't help you get into other social groups that you would like to get in with. It's really funny because my niece is white and it, it's funny today, literally today, I'm marrying uh, my future uh, nephew uh, with um, my niece and they're going to get married today. And uh, in fact, after this podcast. And are they really? It's funny. Yeah, literally. Um, we get married, and so, uh, but the first time because they had a baby, um, and they t- they took the baby to uh, he he's black. The, his mom goes to an all black church, and she brought her grandbaby in, and the baby's mixed race, obviously. And all the black ladies like, where'd you get that glow in the dark baby from? <laughs> oh my god, he's got a white hue. It was so awesome. One of the best quotes I've ever heard. So hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into today's topic. I'm really excited about it. What is today's topic? Because you mentioned it before we get on, and I don't even remember what you said. Cool. All right. Well, let's hear Doc Brown, and then I'll tell you. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We got a little got a little Doc Brown action here. Great Scott! It's time for this week's topic. Okay, guys. So today's topic is Star Wars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> And this episode is dedicated to Hector Mora. <laughs> I had to do that. Woo's Twitter comment last week was like, uh, this week's Church Planner podcast starts at the 30-minute mark. You're welcome. <laughs> and then he then he hashtag Star Wars sucks. Yeah. He's trying to let everyone Hector, know. you need to rethink your calling mm. and your life, young man. Mm. So here's the deal. Um, today's topic is going to we, we want to start a new series called The Big Five and run it over the next few weeks. And it's going to cover things like 
my five best church planning moments. And Pete and I are going to reflect. This is Pete's first church plant, um, not mine, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna just kind of just laugh and enjoy and talk about our five best church planning moments. On another episode, we're gonna talk about our five worst church planning moments, and then we're gonna talk about our top five uh, uh, church planning struggles. And um, you know, uh, top five church planning takeaways, and so that'll get us through the next month. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and I thought that it would be good to start with the struggles. What do you think about that? I dig it. Cool. So, uh, Pete, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know that I've got really any church planning struggles because I'm. I'm more of like yes, you a. Do. I'm a support. Yeah, dude, role. I could do yours for you. <laughs> I got I'm my five passionate. biggest church plant dislikes. I could do that one. Yeah, yeah. But nothing's no, really no, no, a struggle for me. What What are my struggles? I mean, I, like, I don't need to change. I'm fine. It's not a struggle. Well, but see, I'm not really a church planner. I just happen to be there during a church plant. Absolutely. But here's the thing. You are a church planner. You've been a part. You, you see, you didn't just come along to a church plant, Pete. You were a part of a core team. And that's a lot, dude. When when somebody's a part of a core team, there is a sense of pride in that, that you went on mission from day one. I always tell the church planning teams uh, when we first start, I say, there's going to come a day where this church is going to be established. There's going to be massive amount of fruit coming out of this thing. Lives are going to be uh, getting changed. They're going to be planting out. Um, there's going to be just amazing things happening here. And you're going to remember when you heeded, you know, Jeremiah's uh, was actually Baruch's injunction: "Do not despise the day of small things." And you'll remember. I remember when it was small. It's kind of like you know, we came out of Calvary Chapel, and you know, they did a they pitched a tent in a bean field, and that's where the stinking revival and the Jesus movement really gained momentum. It started in Haight Ashbury in San Francisco, but it really picked up momentum and speed in Southern California on the beaches. But it was that stinking tent. And, it, you know, I remember when I came to faith, I'd hear people still like ex-hippies going, I was there at the tent. And that, just people saying that, it, it was special. It was kind of like, wow, really? You were there? You saw the spirit moving like that? You saw these just miraculous conversions? And yeah, I was there. I was part of the tent. And, and that's a bit of street cred. And so, you know, being a part of a core team from start to finish um, that, that is, well, so I, 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 here's the thing though, Peyton, I don't, because of the way that I'm wired, I don't look at things like struggles. Like they don't, the, things just don't compute with me as a struggle. Like I don't look at, Oh great. I'm going to have a kid. This is, you know, going to be a big struggle. I don't look at it that way. I see everything as well. This is just life. And yeah. you know, I just happen to be going through this right now. Or I just happen to be, I don't look at it as like a struggle. So I think, for me, that's the reason why it's so difficult for me to go, well, here are my five biggest struggles. <laughs> and honestly, it wasn't like it was difficult for me. Like, I kept yeah. hearing you say, hey, you know, if you're going to be part of the core team, you know, your life is going to suck, this, that, and the next. And probably because of how I just look at life, I'm yeah. like, it didn't, like, suck anymore. It was just like, okay, well, this is just life. You know? Yeah, just and, and yet the bottom of your life dropped out. I mean, it really did for you. You, you know, Luke went into uh, the NICU. What's yeah. that? Yeah, the NICU. And I mean, you know, I remember. I yeah, remember but see, that was just life. I can't blame that on the church sure. plant. 
Well, sure, sure. But what, what you find in those times is when your core team bands together to plan a church, um, there's a couple things that happen. Life falls apart. They go through major trials. And I'm not really in the business of pointing out, hey, this is the devil or this is God. Um, I can't figure my own life out sometimes. What I can tell is probably in almost every situation, Satan wants to use it for evil. Mm. God well, wants yeah. to use it for good. Satan wants to bring out the worst in me. God wants to bring out the best in me. And so all, all those things are true. But um, but I, I just notice a pattern. I've just I've just gotten used to that. What happened to you being the pattern? Um, it just happens to everybody. So so maybe the better way for you to think about it is um, the top five things I've had to grow through or I'm still growing through that are difficult. And some of them for you will just be things like um, church in general, but particularly a church like ours, right? <laughs> you know, actually going to church. <laughs> no, but you know, it, like some of the, like, uh, for example, um, you, you mentioned a couple weeks ago, like the Huggy Bear thing. You're not Huggy Bear. That makes such a great nickname for you. Just like on Starsky and Hutch, Huggy Bear. You, uh, it's so bad. If I swear, man, if people start calling me Huggy Bear, <laughs> that's it. Just say nothing, Pete. Say nothing. They'll go away. Rebuke them in the name of the force. So here's the deal. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so the, the top thing that I have had to grow through, the top struggle for me, and I think all of us. Do you want to do the top these, or do you want to start at number five and work your way up to the top? I don't care. Yeah. You know, I haven't even thought about it in, yeah. in order. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, the, 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 okay. So, so uh, we'll just, we'll just say. These are random and no specific order. Okay. All right. That's cool. So one of the five struggles for me, um, if I were honest, back in the beginning was not knowing what to do next and having to kind of struggle and find my way, just almost like blind groping every single step of the way. And I, I found that difficult. Um, I, you know, I could read books about preaching. I could read books on prayer. I could read books on discipleship, but there really wasn't anything that told me how to plant churches. There, there have been some great books written, but I didn't know about them at that time. And um, church planning was not what it is today, uh, where it's kind of like the sexy thing that people want to do. But for me at that time, it was, it was very difficult. And I can remember um, calling guys up on the phone who had church planted and asking them the most ridiculous questions and feeling so stupid on the phone and going, um, just one more, just one and, and apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just, uh, one more, just one more. Do you have any more time? Do you have any more time? And, and I, I was so hungry and thirsty that that is literally why I do what I do now. That was why I started new breed. Um, die Hanky, uh, another church planner, um, guy in the UK that, that you would know probably if you lived there, but he and I started new breed together because I planted a year in front of him and I was able to turn around and say, dude, you got to do this, that, that, and this. And he was asking me these questions. And so when new breed started, it was called two punks and a logo because we we're like, well, who are we? But all we know is like we've planted and, uh, and there's nothing out there supporting anybody. And that was really hard for me, just that there was no step-by-step. -step. 
Um, hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I know at the beginning for me, see, I, I guess, you know, this might be one of those things to grow through, but um, we were going to uh, Refuge Huntington Beach. That was the church we were going to. And I would say, you know, most of my adult life that Jamie and I have been married, um, we either lived in Long Beach or near Long Beach. And every church we went to uh, would be like in a nice part of Long Beach or something like that. It was like never in the bad parts. And I always felt like, you know, for some reason there was some sort of draw or pull to Long Beach. Only way I can describe it. Because I would say I was not even remotely a good Christian. Not like I'm a good Christian now, but I'm definitely at a different place in my life than I was back then. Um, You know, saved, saved since child, but like just, it was a different thing. I, I, I mean, if you've heard the podcast, you know my story. I don't need to go into that again. So I think, um, how long had, had, uh, refuge had the long beach startup going before you took over? Was it like a year or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I, I think it was about a year and a half, just over a year that, uh, maybe in between a year and a year and a half that the senior pastor was doing like an extension. It was supposed to be an extension campus. Which is really what it was at the time. Yeah. It was like, if it's easier for you to go to this one, come to this one. Yeah. And, uh, and so I never went, never went, was never, I think I might've gone to like a planning meeting that they'd had back in the day. Um, but that was it. And interestingly enough, uh, we had gone to another church prior to, to refuge Huntington beach and they had bought a property actually very close to where uh, Refuge Long Beach is. It was a, a church that was closing down and they had lots of money. And so they said, okay, we'll, we'll buy your property and do a reboot. And, uh, and so I had gone to a meeting for that. And they're like, okay, if you, know, you, you think you might want to help out with this church, sign up here on this list. And then I never heard from them ever again. Like, right. I, I was like, okay, I, I guess maybe you just want your own little click or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm Mr. Friendly, right? No one knew who I was. So <laughs> watch him get his name, strike him from the list. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, I still remember you and I had connected cause you had called me. I'd signed up on your, uh, info info sheet and that's why you and I had a connection and you were like, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to be preaching over here or something like that. Why don't you, why don't you come visit? No, you know, you know what the story was with you. I had felt God call me, um, like literally like just i remember i was i was working uh and it was back in the time i was writing church zero and the baby was sleeping andrew is a writer too so she was writing and you um you had signed up on a list and i had like four pages of sign up list and i felt god say call through uh your sign up list and i remember thinking that's really weird like why would i but i knew it was the lord and I called up and you were the first guy. I just randomly picked one of those sheets. You were at the very top and I called you first and we talked for an hour and I got off the phone and I just felt like that was why God had me call through that list. Boom. We talked, we connected and I knew that did, was, did you way. notice that, that God asked you to call through the list and not hug your way through the list? I just, you know, thought I'd <laughs> point that out. So, yeah. but you'd said, you know, Hey, I'm, they asked me to come take over this, this church plant. 
do you want to come visit or something? Because I remember I went and I like checked it out maybe one week, maybe the next week. And um, you made some comment to me. You're like, I had said something like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be there on, on Sunday. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want you to feel like you have to be there all the time. Like you had already thought, dude, I'm I'm there. I'm part of it. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to give up my Sunday night as well. I mean, I have no, you know, I still go to church Sunday morning. And now you want me to do this thing Sunday night. This is an awful lot of church for me. So that was a, a struggle. Something I had to grow through was doing uh, multiple sessions of church when I was not. You know, I wasn't, uh, like I said, I wasn't all that great of a Christian at the time. So hey, there you every, go. There you go, baby. Every, I brought it back around to the topic. I had to grow every, through that. Every apostolic guy has the gift of recruiting. I'm just telling you. You look at the Apostle Paul, right? What's he do? They, you draw people. You, you're you constantly pulling people in and throwing, throwing them into the mix. That's what Paul did. That's how he recruited all of his team. And you have to do that, you know, it's just, in fact, it's unconscious. So like when you're, when you're saying that right there, I didn't even like, that's an interesting, from your perspective, that's totally interesting because yeah, I did think you were there, but I was like, but I don't know if you're going to stay. So I was trying to be cool. Like, Hey man, I won't take it personally if you think this sucks and don't want to stay, but that's really interesting. It, see, for me, it wasn't the suck thing. For me, it was the, Wow. I got to do this thing twice. And on Sunday, like Sunday's my day. We go to church and then I go to the movies by myself. It's <laughs> glorious. You know, like, so that was quite a sacrifice for you, man. It really was it, for me. People don't understand. Cause they're all like way religious on this. Who listen to this? Cause they're pastors. You don't understand for me. That was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So the second, struggle um, for me in church planning uh, over the years has, let's see, it has been, I would say, um, not focusing on numbers. And that's probably mm. going to be shocking for people to hear me say that because um, I'm not about numbers at all, but I had to grow into that because Let's face it, right? We, we, we call the, the church is the ecclesia. It's the gathering. And because it's the gathering, well, you do expect people to gather. <laughs> and so, you know, when people don't gather, it, it's, I think it's probably not just my thing that I had to grow through, but everybody's thing to grow through in church planning because mm -hmm. you watch the attendance, right? Like, so for example, let's say like Thanksgiving weekend came and went. Um, every church in America is going, gosh, my church was so low. And he's thinking this, well, I don't understand because I understand people went away. And so they're at their family's churches this Sunday. But shouldn't I be get, getting some of the people that visited the family members in my church? Like, shouldn't I? Shouldn't that be evening out? Well, here's the great secret about Thanksgiving um, and big holidays like this. People go away. They visit their family. You know what the family does. Hey, normally we go to church on Sunday, but since you're in town, you know, we'll just go to mm, breakfast. Yeah. And and so church attendance goes down. And and so that's how it works. But it's always disheartening when you're a church planner because if you got a mega church and like let's say 10% of your people don't show up and you got a church of a thousand, well, you still got nine hundred, right? But when you're a church plant and you've got twenty people and you know, ten percent doesn't show up, that makes a big deal. Right. That's like, that's quite a big number for you. You know, it's like four people. 
right? Didn't turn up. And you're like, wow, you know, it feels almost like a quarter of our people. Yeah. So that's, that's how it works. And so, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So um, that was hard for me. And and what I learned just to, to, to quickly share with you is, um, the way I grew through that was what I started noticing when I was really looking, cause you know, you always wanted to, church plants, by the way, guys, they always feel like they're going to implode just, you know, even the other day I was speaking at, um, some church planning conference and they go, um, they said something about, you know, how's Long Beach. And, and I said, well, you know, we're close to a hundred people right now, but, um, it could implode at any moment. Like, you know, we're three and a half years in and it could still implode and it feels like that, but you get used to that. And so because of that, when the numbers, you know, are smaller, you're, it feels more imminent that the implosion could occur. It feels more real. And the way I had to get over it was just watching the congregation and who came and realizing that um, the church kind of matched the national statistic that most born again believers go to church two out of four Sundays. Now you can Hmm. get really mad at that and say that's wrong, you know, or you can just accept that that's what the statistic is. And that's what happens. People go two out of four Sundays on average. And, and so I don't know if that was our average, um, Jamie and I, it's not for us. Well, but no, 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 it's definitely not now, but I will say that for us or for me, I literally looked for any excuse possible to not go to church. So yeah. if Jamie, because she's an ice skating coach, and sometimes she's got to go out of the state um, for competitions and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going. You know, I'm only going because she, you know, basically thinks that we need to go, kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, so I don't, I don't think for us, I don't think it was two out of four, but I looked for every opportunity to not show up. Whenever you, you know, it's funny because you always go to church. Like it's so rare that you ever miss. Like that's really surprising to me. Yeah, but Refuge Long Beach is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to go down at Refuge Long Beach. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't. It's called a. Uh, it's called a uh, uh, Tom's disease. Terrified of missing stuff, Tom's. Except it's not supposed to be stuff. But you get the picture. Terrified of missing stuff. Yeah. You know what's so funny? You know what's so funny, though, is that, uh, um, I don't remember what's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, for me, like going to Refuge Long Beach, there's only like a couple of things I don't like about Refuge Long Beach. Obviously, I love, uh, I, I love, literally, this is the truth. I love the people who lead our worship time, the music. I oh, just but you don't hold like, that because that's one of your things, man. You've I just don't hold. like the music. Yeah, I, I hold literally cannot stand. Well, then I'm skipping you and we're sticking with me. I can't no, no, stand the music, man. I can't stand the music. No, no, but let me finish. Let me finish. And the only okay. other thing that I can't really. Well, okay, never mind. I'll say that too. So there, I got two okay. more. All right, you go. Yeah, those are your struggles, man. So here's here's the deal, right? So the, the, the way I got over, the way I grew through it is I watched the congregation. I noticed that they were you know, they were different people missing different weeks. And that's where I came up with. If, if those of you that have heard me talk about the church planning pistons and a new breed, when we talk amongst each other, the, the guys will say, well, oh, it's the pistons, man. I know it's the pistons where like running a car, the piston goes up, piston goes down. And, and you, you kind of learn 
that, you know, for whatever reason, it could be legit, could be their kids were really sick and barfing that morning. You can't get mad at it. Even though you hear that statistic, you go, oh, a bunch of carnal Christians, I'm so mad at you. You got to relax because pistons are, are, as long as the pistons keep running, the engine will keep going. Uh, as long as the pistons are going up and down alternatively, you're going to get there. And what happens is what Pete's talking about eventually that if you guilted them to be there and, hey, man, you're on a soccer team and you let us down and that those those dynamics are true. But if that's your message to them, then you're guilting them into coming. How much better is it that you just keep doing what you're doing? God keeps turning up. People keep getting saved. Lives keep getting changed. And then eventually they're like, I don't want to miss church. Like for me, I love going to church. I do not like I live, if I'm on holiday, I got to go to church. I love going to new churches, stupid churches. It doesn't matter if big, small, I love going to church. So for me, um, I go, you know, and it doesn't matter. I'm always learning. Even if the church I go to sucks, I've still learned something or I've, I'll meet with God while I'm there, just me and him, you know, if, if it's some weird funky thing, but yeah. So, okay. Me done. Go. Music. You have to struggle through the music. I can't stand praise music. I can't stand the guitar. Um, I think all we need is like an electric kazoo and we're good to go. Well, you know, what did the early church have? Electric kazoo. Of course they did. Actually, you know, here's the interesting thing. Because, and I don't want to be clear, because I know we've got people from Refuge who listen. I actually love the people who lead our music. Which for me is a big deal because I, I've shared this with Peyton outside of the podcast, but there have been churches um, that I've gone to that I could not stand the people who <clears throat> led the music. Like to this day, they're like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like even yeah. when I, I see those people and I see them around. I mean, I'm not, I've been to a lot of churches. So I don't want people to go, oh, who's he talking about? Whatever. You wouldn't you you probably wouldn't know who these people are. So for me to say, I really like the people who lead our music. I really like the people who lead our music. I totally feel like they're genuine. And that yeah. to me is such a big deal because I've seen other people who I didn't feel were genuine. I just felt they were performing. Yeah. And it just yes. that's why it like grated on me. I just really yeah. dislike the music. I, I don't like praise music. I just... I don't know. I mean, finally, we started singing uh, Christmas songs and stuff at, at Refuge Long Beach. I'm like, oh, no, at least this I can get down with because, you know, you don't you don't do Christmas songs very often. Obviously, just usually in December and and that's it. So yeah. did, did you need to take that call? You, you need me to let you no, go and get that? I'm sorry, man. You know what? I Across the room is my iPad and I'm sitting here with my phone. It's going off on every device. I got to stop that. But yeah, you know, it, it's funny because um, I agree with you. Like, I, I don't agree. Like, I actually think uh, the girl who does our worship, she's fantastic. Musically, she's awesome. And like what you said about, you know, she um, she is uh, just anointed, man. She just, she is worshiping. And that's all I care about, that the person up there is genuinely worshiping and not performing. You hit the nail on the head. For me, that's the most important. Where I'm at now is I'm looking, and, and she knows, we like to rotate people in and and she loves that. Like she's far from being a prima donna. Um, she's always willing to back off and get out of the way. And so what we're looking at doing, um, my biggest thing is always looking to find people that reflect different um, 
you know, cultural styles, ethnic styles, um, because we're a, mo- a mixed. I'd be totally group. down so, with that. So, what cultural style is really bad praise music? Who knows, man? I I just I think know, it's, it, I think it's white people thing. music. Like, I used to love going to the black gospel churches when I was a kid. Yeah. My dad would take us to the city, uh, San Francisco, and I was like, dude, this is cool. At least they have good music here. Like even back then. I couldn't stand the music we had at church. That's it. Well, and and that's what I'm talking about is music on a uh, mixing desk. We've talked about all this before. It needs to be the next uh, revolution in church, you know, um, as long as it's singable. But, uh, but yeah, man. And you know what? For me, I'm old school anyways. I dig the old stuff, man, because I love the richness. I love the fact that it's not all repetitive. And and the cool thing is though is that we don't make this stuff like what I love about Refuge Long Beach is probably people like all different styles and types, but we've come together to reach a loss. And this is what I always come back to: everything bows to that. And if we're doing that, like no one focuses. Like even though we're having this conversation, nobody really focuses. Like that's never a discussion in our church. People are just like, oh, we're not here for us. We're not here for that. And boom. And you've said that. And in fact, I think every time we talk about this subject, that's what you cap it off with. It's not about me. It's about. The well, yeah, it's really- not because there, there are plenty of people who actually do like that music. I'm just not yeah. one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie loves it. She's like, I listen yeah. to it in my car all the time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, OK, so uh, I guess it's my turn now. Right. Yeah. Tag team. Sure. All right. So. <laughs> So the the other thing that was hard for me in church planning is um, the biggest struggle I had was um, the whole idea that you don't get instant results. Hmm. That was hard for me. And it, it, the first place I got used to that was going to Wales in the UK and um, coming from a church where Back, gosh, it was in the 90s, and we were mega church, and you would just preach, and you'd have people raise their hands. And of course, by then, I'd, I'd started going reformed, and so I didn't believe in that anymore and um, wasn't into that. But um, since, you know, it's so funny, man, because theologically, um, my views have changed so many times on so many different things that uh, I'm now like a Franken preacher. I, but I, I've taken the best from, from a, but I'll sometimes have people do, uh, funny enough, altar calls and all that began in the reform camp. Um, ironically, um, Ian Murray did some great work on that, but, uh, when Finney came, they backed off from it. Um, cause he, he took it to a whole new extreme. But, but the funny thing is, is that, um, for me, it was the idea that it wasn't like a push button. You know, I think a lot of times the reason a, a preacher does, there's two reasons, I think. The reason the preacher does the, hey, raise your hand or repeat the prayer after me is A, so he knows what, um, w- you know, what the result is. Like, okay, so I just preach all that. I think in some ways it's a little bit selfish at times um, where it, it's almost a way of keeping score. Well, you know, I, I, hey, five people, okay, my sermon sucked, but like, you know, five people got saved today. So it wasn't a total loss, you know, and then you go to lunch and you feel better. But um, the reality is the other reason I think they do it as well is because, you know, like when you're done preaching the gospel, the natural response is, what do I do? What must I do to be saved? Which is what they cried out after Peter. So it just makes a natural 
um, kind of transition, rite of passage. Um, really in the New Testament, Peter said, believe and be baptized. So baptism probably is the more accurate um, rite of passage. But but for me, it's that idea of what Paul talks about, you know, all that just coming around um, in 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 church planning. It's not the same. If you're in a room and it's a small, you know, smaller group of people, maybe 50, 60, you may not feel comfortable doing the the, the raise the hand thing. Everyone knows who the the uh, the non-believer was. And and so that for me, again, it goes back to the Pistons, but so much of church planning, if I were to 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 kind of identify one trait for church planners that was just the the one thing you had to have more than any other quality, it would be endurance. And it goes back to when he, he says, you know, look at the hardworking farmer. And we, we talked about that, didn't we? I think we did a whole uh, podcast on that. But it's, it's this ability to endure and to wait patiently like a farmer for the fruit. To work, work, water, water, sow, sow, and then to wait until it's time to reap. And that was hard. I don't like to wait. I'm a guy that likes to to be moving and doing. I don't like waiting. I like instant results like anyone else. And in church planning, you've got even your core team. Your core team, you know, it builds for anywhere from six months to a year before your launch. There's a lot of planning to go into a launch for a core team. Hmm. So that's hard for me. Yeah. I would say um, one of the things that we've joked about quite a bit recently on the podcast, but it is definitely a struggle for me. I am not a big fan of the meet and greet. (laughs) Not a big fan of the meet and greet. In fact, uh, I, I really, I, I wish there was a way to get them because I can see the people who don't like it in our church. Like they're obvious that they don't like it. Like I'm obvious. I don't like it. And then you got the social butterflies, which is everybody else. And they're all high and hugging everyone. And I don't like to be hugged. You know, it's so funny. I, I never realized just how much of a, of a a introvert I must be because I, I genuinely don't like that stuff. And here I am a salesman and a public speaker. And I love doing both of those things. <laughs> I just hate meeting people. Like it's yeah. it's the most it's the biggest irony ever. I love public speaking. I love selling. I love face to face. I love groups. I just don't like meeting people. So let me ask you this: because when you do events, I notice a lot of times like you're taking pictures of people. Are you like are you like shaking their hands or like putting are they putting their arm around you or what's what's the deal for the pose picture? Yeah, usually it'll be like uh, arm around each other or something like that, and it's it's <laughs> done. <dying. laughs> well, no, it's done for me because I'm a marketing whore, and I will sacrifice yeah. uh, myself <laughs> so I can get the photo. Like you know, you've seen my one with me and uh, Kathy Ireland, and uh, then we've got a bunch of big guys in my industry. You know, I'm right there with them, and I do it because I know I'm going to whore that picture out. And oh, look, I know Kathy Ireland. Oh, look, I know so and so. So normally you're like, this feels weird and I'm uncomfortable. But on those days, you're like, this feels like a paycheck. You know how like uh, we have a certain amount of personal space around us. And when someone comes up to you and they're a little bit too close, you will unconsciously like take a step back because you need your personal space. It's never unconscious for me. I know they're in my space the second they get in it. And I deliberately don't take a step back because I'm like, 
I know they're in my space. And it's just Dude, like, I it's think, there. I think it's the same, the same for me. I always do because, um, having been a psych nurse, man, it was a dangerous job. I was on a lockdown unit and I, I think cops have that as well. You're always aware of those dynamics. Well, cops you always, know, um, uh, they always do the side thing. Like they'll never yeah. face you head on. They're so used to being at the side. So if you're going to take out a gun, you don't have as big of a target to hit. That's why hey, they do the side as, thing. As an aside, right? As an aside, the, the, the I, I was speaking at my sinning church on Sunday. Dude, there's people packing heat there. I had a guy come up to me. This is like the weirdest thing ever. And he's like, hey, uh, just letting you know, I'm your personal security for second service. And uh, Was he like was serious serious or was he like, you know? No, he was serious. And I noticed afterwards when I was like talking to people, he's standing off this, like I had a security guard. It was the weirdest thing, man. Do they have problems at that church? Is that why they had him? I, well. Well, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know where it is, right? I mean, that's not the best neighborhood in the world. It's not. What are you the talking worst. about? It's Huntington Beach. What are you talking about? That's the great neighborhood. It's Huntington Beach, right? It's freaking white people neighborhood. Rich people. No, rich. It's no, right across from Terrabella or Bella Terra, whatever it's I called. I know, I know, but that neighborhood right behind there has two uh, squads devo- uh, devoted to that neighborhood alone. That was uh, well. Then, that, that, then that it, church screwed up on its doors. It should be facing the other way because it's facing the rich mall that's literally across the street. You know, it was so funny because I I went there and preached and I gave a message on um, just more like motivating. I would love to play it on the podcast sometime, um, but it was motivating the pew because they are so strategically placed, man, and. You know, the pew uh, or the people, the people. Well, the pew, you know, when I say pew, I mean the people, right? Not to the pulpit. I wouldn't preach in the pulpit. I mean, my sinning pastor, he's a missionary. He's got a total missions heart. But it was I I, I preached this message and I I almost felt kind of ashamed, like, because I thought, man, this is heavy stuff. Like I preached as if, you know. It would be my last time, I suppose. I mean, I just felt this. Well, I think I think it it always could be. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, in the times where I just preach like, hey, you know, I just need to discharge what the Lord's put on my heart. Those are the times where the spirit's power uh, is always evident. But, hey, going back, going back to uh, what we're saying, um, where where are we at? We're on your point or or was Uh, I I just finished the whole uh, I don't like to meet people. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the, so that's a struggle. That's, that's my fourth biggest struggle. The next struggle for me was in the area of preaching. Um, in the area of preaching, I had uh, to change. I was very much a pulpiteer. So, in other words, I want to be the next Charles Spurgeon, the next Lloyd Jones, mm. and I would strive to preach with excellence. That was my key thing. I would have like these quotes from, I mean, I mine my own gold. I read these books. I, I, I would spend hours and hours in preparation. I was trying to be the, and, and not in just a carnal way, but I was also, you know, on, on good days, it was, I was trying to honor the Lord and be the most powerful preacher I could be, um, the most enlightening, the most studied, study to show thyself approve. But, you know, I wanted to be a good preacher. And it, when I got into church planning, that changed so much because it wasn't that I didn't want to preach well, but the lost people in front of me, the sermons I preached to rooms full of Christians versus sermons that were effective 
at reaching lost people, they were night and day. Hmm. And that was where I think for me, my preaching style completely changed and completely transformed. And, um, and I lost, uh, there was a sacrifice involved. There was a sacrifice from my ambition to be the best um, preacher I could be to being the most useful preacher I could be um, to see people saved. And it, it's, it may sound like a weird you know, distinction to make, but it very much was, and it was very real. Like, for example, instead of... Um, I think that's probably something that a lot of pastors go through. Yeah. Or should go through, perhaps. Yeah, and I guess it depends on your audience, you know. Um, but but I just I could never preach the sermons that I would preach at a at a mega church that I know is all Christians, or I would preach differently every place I go. I'd preach differently at a women's group than I would at a men's group. I'd preach differently at a men's group than I would in an old folks home. I'd preach differently in an old folks home than I would in a church plant. Like it would be totally different, you know? Yeah. So that was hard for me because it involved a sacrifice. and But it was freeing. I, I definitely, I would say at this point, I feel more of the Spirit's power now. Because like I told you, remember how I told you in, in pastors, always it's ego and impact? Mm-hmm. It's impact. It, it, when I'm in a church plan, it's impact. That's what I'm focused on. That There's one of two things you're, you're operating in, either your ego or your impact. And church planning brings out, I mean, come on. You know, when you're a small room full of people you're really not going for ego anyways right so i wowed 20 people i wowed 50 people i wowed 80 people um has to be different so that's me done because i i think we're running out of time so well i got my fifth one you get i gotta i you started it remember because i made you start it so (laughs) my fifth one for me uh the biggest struggle that i've had to work through and will continue to work through and it's is me no no it's totally a personality driven thing and it kind of goes back to the, I don't, I don't like meeting people. The small groups that we break up into when we were at the community center, you know, we'd all sit around the table and hear today's questions. Let's have some coffee and donuts and talk about these things. And then, um, you know, at our, our current facility where we're at, how we have breakfast, um, it, it goes back to the meeting people thing. But even, even when we're like just in the small group, it's a struggle for me to just like be a part of that conversation. Um, and you even asked me to lead one for like a couple of months and I was finally like, all right, that's it. I'm out. I'm done. This is not for me. Yeah. And I, I just felt totally inadequate to lead one of those groups. I didn't feel like I was, I was the appropriate person to lead it. And I, and I know it's because of the subject material. Like, if it had been something that I was strong in, like, you know, marketing, business or financial planning, um, really the only three areas I know anything about, I, I would do it all day long because yeah. I'm so confident in what I know there. But when it comes to things of uh, a biblical nature, I just feel so inadequate that I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm totally uncomfortable leading this this group. It's so funny because, you know, I I. Uh underestimated how much that scares people to lead discussion. Cause what you're really doing is you're just facilitating other people talking. You're just going, Oh, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah. But when it comes to God, you, you there's a sense of responsibility. I yes, have to rein in the crazy and I need to make sure that the truth gets out there. Yeah. And you know, 
if you just don't like, it doesn't matter that I grew up in the church and that I got a minor in Bible because I went to Bible university. I totally feel inadequate to lead those conversations. Yeah. You know, but probably the, the degree in film is more helpful than anything else. Because you can always bring it back and illustrate the uh, pop culture. But contextualize the gospel, as they call it in missionary circles. But, uh, yeah, you know what? It, it, and that totally makes sense. And yet, that seems to be the way that Jesus constantly um, prepped people for ministries. He chucked them in over their heads, made them uncomfortable, and, uh, and I'm not totally justifying, like, I make no mistakes, you know. Um, I actually think um, that's something that I needed to, to kind of learn with people was, you know, don't freak them out too much. Don't give them too much, you know, because of that dynamic you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and, and I, think, I, I think I only gave four. Did I no, only give four? No, five. If we I went back five? and okay. recounted them, we, we could recount them. Because I, I made you start. So that's yeah. why I, I finished it off. That was my fifth. Yeah, yeah. And and if I were to just throw a bonus in there quickly, I would say money. money. 5B, money. What's it? 5B, a six. The six things. There there are five things Peyton struggled with. Yay, six that Peyton struggled with. <laughs> that's, that was very biblical, that. Um, but, but six, <laughs> I feel like the Spanish Inquisition. There are three, four elements of surprise. Uh, there are six things that I struggle with. I don't think that uh, word means but, what you think that word means. <laughs> so there, uh, the, the, the last one would be money, man. Just never having money to do things and coming from an established church. If you want to do something, Oh, you just talk to the elders. Hey, you want to do this? Mm. And it's the way, okay, cool. We can cut back in this department and uh, we'll we'll look at the budget, you know, if we if we buy less, you know, to quote Josh Henry from uh, SimplifyChurch.com, um, if if we you know cut back on the on the cookies for kids in the Sunday school, then hey, we could do that outreach, you know, or we'll cut back on. There's no money to do that with in a church plant, and that was one of the things that I really uh, struggled with. And have struggled through over the years. I'm still waiting for a rich millionaire to come in and 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 write a check and uh, adopt me like little orphan Annie, so that uh, he can be my daddy Warbucks. That'd be awesome. That sounded weird, but uh, but that's that that's been the hardest thing. And yet, Pete, not having money has placed me in the exact same position as the Apostle Paul, rolling through a town. And it makes you have to rely on God. It makes you have to get creative and, and personal people. Um, really, you don't need money to do most of the things that are effective in church planning anyways. Mm. Yep, I agree. So that's it. That's all I got to say. So, guys, if you want to name the Pete Mitchell baby, uh, just go ahead and you go to You got to tell tomorrow, which means yeah. it's too late because this will air after. Well, it's kind of like adoption, right? Like with adoption in certain states, you get like a, you know, um, a window where you can change your mind. And, and, and same with you. Didn't you tell me like you can drop it off within three days? No questions asked at a fire station. Or a hospital. Yes. Or a police station. Basically any yeah, government so, building. Yeah. So there's no reason why Pete can't change the name after the baby's born. So, uh, you know. And by the way, if you want to give a million dollars to the Church Planner Magazine and the Church Planner Podcast... I will be changing the name to whatever you want the name changed to. Yes, as long as it's a human name, 
we we probably wouldn't go for something like gazebo or uh, or, or little baby refuge i i don't yes, know I couldn't do that to her. yeah there, there would just be certain names that would probably be it. let's just keep it to human names <laughs> preferably well they could be from any country right oh yeah i'm down with it i'm, I'm down with the ethnic name you betcha it, it could be like on about schmidt you know dear undubu you know, I like told I be. told my wife if we had a boy, I wanted his name to either be Johannes, Quashi, or Luke. Those were her choices. What, just out of curiosity, what what names are we saving Baby Mitchell from? What 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 are the names on the table right now? Uh, Leia Organa Mitchell, um, Takahashi real, right? Yakuza Mitchell, <laughs> and then uh, Mackenzie Grace Mitchell. So I don't know. I don't know which one it's going to be, mm. but those are those are the three sets on the table. I like Leah Organa. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Leia. Oh, Leia. Yeah, that's true. Huh? Come on, Luke and yeah. Leia. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying that's that's you know, and and it is the year she's being. Oh, <laughs> I I also did born. try to get Jamie to go for Chewbacca, but I don't know. Well, all babies look like Yoda, so I mean, <laughs> that's not that far. Can you, what about Yoda as a middle name? I'm down. I'm so yeah. down. Mm, born I am. Happy I will be. <laughs> Dude, I still remember Charlie Marquez was like, here, I thought you named Luke Luke because of uh, you know the Bible. I'm like, no, sorry, but it was Star Wars. It, it, it's Star Wars. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Jabba. Jabba's on the table. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Jabba. Uh, poor Born girl. Up. A girl named Jabba so not oh. good. No, because nobody's ever determined the sex of Salacious Crumb. I'm voting Salacious Crumb Mitchell. You know, you know, I don't dude, even know what that's from. Java? I got I got nothing on that. You know the little dude with the like little bird beak and the oh, that, I didn't know his name. That's his name. Salacious Crumb, baby. Interesting. I'm telling you, we need I'm to taking start that right out to Jamie. Podcast. As soon as we're done with the podcast, I'm running out there. I'm saying I got some new names to put on the table. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today for today's edition of the Church Planter Podcast. This has been Darth Vader, Pete Mitchell, and uh, Jedi Master Peyton Jones. And we want to welcome you to put your comments on, uh, uh, was it was the name of that website again? It's iTunes? Something like that? Yeah. Leave us a comment in iTunes or um, on our Facebook page. And just a reminder, if you listen to the podcast and you do not yet read the magazine, I want to let you guys know that the magazine has been free um, in the time that we've started it up. We've had a donation to make it available to help build our platform. As of January 1st, it is actually becoming a paid subscription, but we've got a special offer to our listeners. If you subscribe now during this month, you will get the next year free. That's that's not true. Own, that's not true. Oh. But it doesn't work that way with the tech side. You can't just come up with something and say you want to do it. If you signed up for the contest, you will be given a special code that will allow you to get your one year free subscri- subscription. That's what I meant. That's what, what you Pete meant. said. Yeah. That's what, what Pete said. This is why I don't do these <laughs> things. <laughs> but do what Pete said, and you'll get a free subscription for a year. <laughs> Is that right? Did I break it? There you go. I like it. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Don't let me talk about that stuff. (laughs) This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. 
Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.